Tune into the Tour of Utah podcast on 1280thezone.com. The podcast includes tips for how to train for the summer of cycling and where best to see the Tour of Utah in action. Time now to talk a little college football with Kurt Cragthorpe from the Salt Lake Tribune. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Kurt, good morning. Good morning. Kurt, I do believe I saw some pictures on social media of you globetrotting, not the kind of thing that can be done on the cheap, the way you've built a reputation traveling for the Salt Lake Tribune. What'd you do? What got into you? Yeah, my wife's influence uh, clearly was registered in that. She's more of the uh, world traveler than I am. But uh, the highlight of going to Greece was stumbling into PK's nightclub on the island of Santorini. How about that? <laughs> Hence the email? <laughs> yes, exactly. I did pick or it didn't happen, so I had to send it to you. And did you go in? Absolutely. And what Although, was it like? Uh, the cocktails were a bit overpriced. We need to speak about that. <laughs> well, if you're going to go to PK's, what you call it? Nightclub. Yeah, well, you expect to be high class. That's true. So you're going to have to fork over some dinero. Or euros in this case. Your, your, your premise is correct. What were you doing halfway between Greece and Turkey in the middle of the Mediterranean? Ooh, this is a family show, <laughs> yeah, DJ. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'd been to Athens for the Olympics in 2004, so it was, it was, and I always wanted to see those Greek islands, so it was pretty cool. Well worth it. Yeah, I, I would. It's a long way to go, but uh, it, it very, very nice. Well, we wanted to have you on for the travelogue number one, and for University okay. of Utah football number two. There's a ton of uh, hype and expectations, and national writers are saying all kinds of good things about the Utes, and that makes Ute fan feel good. Is it something they should be worried about, or is the arrow up and they should just brace themselves for a great season? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting theme, and I, it's something we've been thinking about and talking about all summer. And, and so I kind of look back, and there's this kind of undercurrent among a certain percentage of youth fans anyway that they're, they get a little paranoid when people start saying good things about their team. And, of course, if people are saying bad things about the, their team, they get angry. So kind of an, uh, an imperfect balance. But it is interesting to me that to look back over history and see that the Utes only twice ever have been in the preseason AP Top 25 and so it's going to be kind of uncharted territory. And certainly when that poll comes out in mid-August, it will be the first time that the Utes have been ranked in the Pac-12 era. So it's all an interesting dynamic. It's something the program basically hasn't had to deal with in the, in the Pac-12. But I think the one cautionary thing just has, has to be what we've always said, and that is the Pac-12 is – is so deep and competitive that that you can be picked first and and finish fourth in in a division. So that that's the uh, the red flag, if you will. I don't I don't think it's the, the expectations themselves are the problem. I think it's just that 
the expectations can only carry you so far until you start playing those games, notably against USC and Washington State in September. So Ludwig's coming in, and he gets Kyle. He's been around him for years and years, uh, and so there's some new blood there. But am I really to expect anything different out of this offense? I mean, I know that they've got guys coming back and whatnot, but they've had it before, and it still seems like it's the same thing. Yeah, and until proven otherwise, uh, there's still going to be a average at best back 12 offense. I do think as the offensive line comes together, it has a chance to rise above that level. I mean, historically, Utah senior quarterbacks have played well. If Zach Moss stays healthy, he should have a big year. So I, I think that some things definitely are, are pointing in the right direction, but they have to get out there and perform, and receivers have to catch the ball. It's kind of the same old issues that have always surfaced, but I, I really believe that if on these days healthy, he will have a nice year. Do you believe he's going to stay healthy, though, having watched him get hurt each of the last two years? Yeah, that's tricky. And, and, and it, what's interesting to me in, in looking back at it, and I haven't documented every injury, but it, it seems to me that he's always been hurt within the pocket. It's kind of the irony of what Kyle Whittingham always talks about, which is having him slide or get out of bounds or all these things. But biggest hits he's absorbed have come just from trying to stand in the pocket and deliver the ball. So well, I think the one thing that uh, Tyler needs to be more conscious of is just getting rid of the football, just getting out of get out of his hands. And I think Andy's Ludwig's offense will help him do that. But again, if there's some offensive line issues early in the season, that could be a problem. It doesn't seem like the competition in the South is really – up to snuff when I compare it to Utah and what Utah has available. So to me, there's just no brain. It's a no brainer that they will be the overwhelming favorite. And I've got no problem with that. But as I look at the South and you talked about how in teams that are picked first can finish fourth. And so that would mean somebody who's picked fifth or sixth can finish second or third, or maybe in first from the instance of the Colorado Buffaloes that one season, as you evaluate the other five teams in the South, what stands out to you as far as potential to be better than expected? Yeah, my default answer to that is always USC. I, I just it, it's mind-boggling to me that I could ever live long enough to see a five and seven USC team that was on the field last year, particularly the product they displayed at Rice Eccles Stadium. I was just inferior to Utah, and just again stunning me that that could be a, a program representing USC, but it, all that leads up to me saying that I do expect them to have a back, bounce back year. Now, exactly how I quantify that or, or, or how, how significant the, the rebuilding or rebirth will be remains to be seen, but I, I do know there's, there's talent in that program. I think the one asterisk will be how long it takes for the new offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, to get his system in place and, and humming. Uh, but I think JT Daniels is, is a good enough quarterback to thrive in that system. Again, just the question of how long it will take. And, and the whole thing about USC is, is their demanding schedule up front, including Utah. And 
Stanford, and so it'll their September will be absolutely fascinating. But, but yeah, a couple things come to mind. One, I, I do think USC will be picked second, maybe just out of reputation, ignoring last year, but also just the notion that they have players in that program. But it'll be curious to me. I I can almost picture US or Utah being the unanimous first place pick in the South. That would just be crazy. It's great to win the South, but now that they've won the South, they're going to want to win the whole conference. Uh, as you talk to people and read up on Oregon, Washington, possibly Stanford or Washington State, how do they stack up against the big dogs in the North? Yeah, and I, I, that's, that's the other thing that will come out that in, the, in the media poll that uh, selected people like me get to vote on. Uh, they do ask you to pick the overall champions as well as just the one through six in each division. And, and I'll, I'll be very surprised if, if the youths get a lot of votes as the overall champion. Now, the interesting part is I I'm, don't know whether it'll be Washington or Oregon that is the pick from the north. I, but I, I do think that whoever the consensus is, that, that team will be also favored win the championship game. And so, yeah, I, I, it, I do expect Washington to have a bit of a drop-off, but their quarterbacking actually might be better with Jacob Eason and Jake Browning. And uh, Chris Peterson's done a great recruiting job. So they're, they're pretty well loaded, even though they've lost a bunch of starters on defense. And Oregon's an interesting one to me. Uh, I think that the offensive line they fielded against the Utes last year is nothing compared to the product they'll have this year. Uh, notably, the Sewell kid from St. George who missed that game with an injury, and they, they also had a, I believe, a targeting, oddly enough, sanction that affected the first half of their game against Utah. So but I think Oregon's a little better than people around here might be giving them credit for just based on the Utes having beaten them last November. Something that I don't think is getting enough run right now is the place-kicking situation because it wouldn't seem that Utah, right now anyway, is in a good spot. Well, yeah, I think that's a huge concern, no doubt about it. That's that's high on my list for amp stories uh, right now. It would be Jaden Redding, walk-on from Virginia, the state of Virginia, who has no college experience. And, and it is it is kind of funny. It, I mean, every, everyone that's paranoid, as I suggest that fans often are, there, there's almost this cavalier approach that, well, if they found Matt Gay in Utah Valley soccer, certainly they did. whoever they trot out there is going to be a Lou Groza candidate. But, uh, yeah, and the other, the other my, my joke all summer has been that the biggest complaint about Utah's offense for the last 10 years is kicking too many field goals. But what happens when they start missing those field goals, then, then it be, the problem becomes compounded. So the so two things have to happen. You literally have to do a better job of finishing drives and scoring touchdowns this year. And Jaden Redding or somebody else has to prove that he can at least be adequate and make the uh, mid-range field goals. You're, you're, unreasonable to expect you're going to have a bunch of 50 plus yarders like Matt Gay delivered the last two years but 
they just get a guy to make the 40 yarders, they'll probably get by. There are lots of schools that have 1,000-yard receivers. The Utes are rarely one of them. Is there a 1,000-yard receiver in this bunch? I'm going to say no, just because collectively there's there's enough talent for them to succeed, I think, in the passing game. But but I don't see a real go-to guy other than Britton Covey who doesn't get a lot of yards per catch. I I think uh, we're kind of overlooking Jalen Dixon a little bit. He, he actually was the number two receiver, but he's not the guy that, that comes to mind as a, a go-to guy. But but he is a deep threat, and so he'll he'll actually, again, probably end up with more total yards in receiving than Tubby. But to, for him to get a, a thousand, he'd have to catch fifty balls, which which seems like a lot. So. So I think the, the safe answer to that question is no, but but I don't know that that means a sign of trouble for the receiving corps as a group. Well, we can identify, you put a Washington State, but we can look at SC and the Washington trip, when I think that's the first week in November. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I think that's when it is. Do you see any other potential pitfalls outside of those three? Well, again, I, I think uh, the history of the Pac-12 shows that the competitive nature is such that what defines the league is is the game you lose that you wouldn't expect to lose going in into the season. And that and that's not a that's not a Utah thing. That's a Pac-12 thing. There, there's a, there's always going to be somebody that beats you that that you figured going into the year you were going to beat. So. So in, in, in the essence, I guess I'm answering by saying the field in that regard. Uh, but, yeah, I, th- I, I just think that I tend to dwell a little bit too much on history, but but they, Washington State has been a nemesis. Arizona State has been a nemesis. So I, I think those two games, even at home, will be generally tougher than people might think as of uh, July 16th. Well, PK can tell you, as he frequently tells our listeners, the Utes are uh, two and six in eight tries against. I haven't heard him recite that stat since yesterday. Uh, Washington State has uh, four wins in a row over the Utes, and Utah's never beaten USC in the Coliseum, and obviously Washington and they had the one win over them, but that's been a major problem. So really, it seems like they're four games. Can the Utes go two and two on those four? Beat everybody they're supposed to, and finish seven and two and win the division. Is that the recipe? Can they do that? Yeah, I think I think there is a potential to do that. But it, but it's it's amazing to me. There's a huge jump from six and three to seven and two, which which on paper wouldn't seem like much. But but uh, to, to to win seven out of nine Pac-12 games, that's a heck of an achievement. So. Well, I, I think the baseline is six and three, and anything more than that would be a bonus. So the question then being, which game you win? I, as long as USC is one of the six, odds are that that six would be enough to win the division, unless somebody else really comes out of the pack. You need to go to Greece. Six and three, all this freaking hype, and they're no better than last year. Come on, man. They're not playing the past. They're not playing that six at eight Sun Devils. They're playing the Sun Devils that lost their offensive firepower in their quarterback and Harry. 
and they're not playing Washington State having lost four in a row. They're playing Washington State at home this year, and you're picked as the potential unanimous pick in the South, and you're losing to these teams, and you don't win any more conference games than you won last year? I might as well just fold up shop and go to Greece myself. You wish you were well, you Greece. You do need to visit PK's nightclub to make sure it's uh, being operated properly. Right, and I want some residuals. You got to be a hands-on owner. <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting rant, PK. But I, I again, just I just think it's a, a huge jump, more than people think, from winning nine games to winning ten and. I know, but they got like 42 guys back on defense, and 75 of them are going to play in the NFL, and they can pluck a kicker out of Utah State women's softball, and he can be a Lou Groser Award winner. And and they got Zach Moss, who, man, Walter Payton is thinking, I wish I was half as good as he was. And they got all these people coming back, and they're not going to win any more conference games? I'm just saying it would be an achievement to do that. That's all. An expected achievement. All right. (laughs) When they get get win number seven in the Pac-12, might take until November 30th. uh, Which is fine. I agree with you. Seven and two is an excellent season in the Pac-12. And if you go seven and two, you're probably going to win the division, and if it doesn't come until the end of November, so be it. There's nothing wrong with that. 7-2 and two is an outstanding season, but all this hype that we've been experiencing, and it turns out that they're no better than last year, that just seems a little bit of a letdown. Uh, I, that's an argument to be made, but it, if, as long as it wins you the division, then I, then I can't see it as a letdown. You'd still be in the top 20 if, you, if you're – Six and three in the league and nine and three overall going to the championship game and still be ranked in the top twenty. So I, I don't, I don't know how much higher the expectation would be than that. I don't know. I don't know what Ute fans you hang out around compared to me, but the feeling I get is the Utes, you know, the the win in the Pac-12 South and going to conference title game. I think the fan base found that very exciting. I don't think they're going to find it as exciting this year. I think it's really normal sports fans. You want a little more than you had the year before. They want to go to the Rose Bowl. And I don't think they particularly care if they're six and three, seven and two, or eight and one. They want to go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, exactly. So again, uh, that's the point I was kind of trying to make. That it doesn't matter how you get into the championship game and what your record is. That 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 just getting to that game is the baseline, simply because that's where you finished last year. And to PK's point, in fewer words. People do expect them to pick off, pick up where they left off. So then, then it does come down to—I I wouldn't say make or break or succeed or fail, but but certainly, just just like the NBA, you go to one level of the playoffs one year, you want to advance beyond that the next year, and so and so clearly the the next logical step is is to win that conference championship game. Kirk Cragthorpe, Salt Lake Tribune and World Traveler. So this club was it? Was it big? Was it uh, was it well advertised? Was it a quiet place at the end of the street around the corner? Only the locals knew about it. What was it like? Yeah, it was right on the uh, kind of a boardwalk thing in Santorini in the in the main town, kind of down some step. But it in those uh, the advertising was kind of like a sandwich board kind of thing. That was a picture I sent. 
DK. But it, it did look like a, a nice place and a spectacular setting, that's for sure. Kurt, as always, we appreciate a little time. Thanks for joining us. Glad to have a wide-ranging conversation, as always. (laughs)